Hey folks and welcome to another episode of This Is HCD. My name is Jerry Scullion, I'm a service designer, I'm an educator and I'm based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. We are edging so close to our millionth download and it's all thanks to you, our listeners and viewers, for listening, for sharing, for promoting and ultimately supporting us on our journey over the last six years. It's hard to believe. If you want to go one step further and become part of our ecosystem, we'd love you to become a premium subscriber of This Is HCD. All the money goes back and we reinvest it into building out our ecosystem, helps support things like Change Space, our, our private community for change makers, and really helps us ultimately keep the lights on. So thank you so much for almost a million downloads so far. Today in the show, we speak with Carol Massa. Carol Massa is a phenomenal service designer based in the US. And in this episode, we speak about the nuances between strategic design and service design and really get into the weeds about the two and how Carol sees some of the organizations that have successfully embedded, what are the things that they've done to introduce service design into the organization. Carol's a phenomenal educator. She works with the Service Design Network, runs a great course over there called Strategic Design and Organizations. We talk about the key learnings from that course in particular. I had a lot of fun speaking with Carol. I'm gonna put a link to Carol's profile on LinkedIn so you can connect with her and stay up to date with everything to do with Carol Massa. Let's jump straight into this episode. I know you're gonna enjoy it. Carol Massa, delighted to have you on the show. We've been back and forth for the last couple of months, I think it is, um, since we set this one up. But maybe we'll start off for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. Sure. Thank you for having me here. This is very exciting. My name is Carol Massa. And um, for the past 10 years, I've been working in design. I started in graphics, uh, went to advertising, and the last seven years I transitioned to strategic design, service design, and I worked uh, in Fortune 500 companies here in the United States, really helping enable that shift of mindset from an operational uh, standpoint to a human-centered standpoint. And then for the past couple of years, I actually decided to focus in one industry (laughs) to really you know, hold into uh, the practice and, and make a career out of it, which is in healthcare. So I've been in healthcare awesome. and now it's going to be my third year, <laughs> yeah. which is very exciting. So on that, that journey there that you mentioned there, you worked in advertising and it seems to be um, a lot of people that I've spoken to over the last uh, maybe five, six years, they've worked in advertising at some point and then they kind of have a moment and then they, they move on to something that's a little bit more closer to their purpose. Was that a journey that you went on? For sure, yes. So during my couple of years in that industry, I my initial impression was that I would just, you know, change the world through uh, campaigns and communication design, right? Disruption. When you're young, yeah. <laughs> you always feel like the visual, the, the visual part of advertising changes minds, right? Yeah. Um, but when I got to uh to to actually experience it, it became very mechanical and not that much uh, of the artistic, world-changing piece that I was looking for. What actually happens 
in advertising? Because there's people out there listening to the podcast who are might be from a marketing or an advertising, even just students looking to learn a little bit more. And what we're going to be talking today is about strategic design in organizations. But I'd love to get your perspective on what was actually happening within the, the advertising space. Um, you said there that was very mechanical, but and you spoke about the visual, but how do you interpret and how do you kind of process that in your in your mind now that you've kind of moved on from that part of your life? Yeah, I so there is a lot in terms of so I refer to the mechanical piece because yeah. we we always think advertising is something you can just create that campaign, right? From yeah. the the brilliant uh <laughs> ideas that come up in a brainstorming session. However, the 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 industry of adver, adver, advertising, there is actually a lot of rules uh, in terms of coloring, in terms of processing colors and printing. So that really enabled me to really expand and see how technical and mechanical it is. Yeah. And because I was directing campaigns, I had to follow a certain um, pattern of design. So it didn't allow me necessarily to experiment. And that's the part that I like the most. And that's why I've been doing strategic design where we can mm. experiment and really push that thinking um, in any shape or form in any level, right? Or so let's talk about that type of design you just said there. So what is that type of design? Because you've titled it strategic design. And I'd love to know a little bit more around the nuances or the differences between strategic design and say service design. Or is there any differences, do you think? Yeah, um, and that's a very personal answer <laughs> yeah, that I'm yeah. about to share because it has to do with my experience and how I've been shaping my skills sure. to do this this type of uh, work. So uh, I use actually both uh, terms, strategic design and service design, yeah. very um, constantly. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Um, because uh, when we're designing for experience, when we're designing for services, we are we are taking a different take on what that design artifact looks like because we're designing for, and I'm going to quote a book here, <laughs> design for the invisible. So yeah. we're designing for the things that people actually don't see because we're designing the mechanisms, right? And the interconnectivities of different pieces of a service to come together and people to experience that and gain from it and yeah. yeah so it's that's how i shape that that skill and uh it's something that not every organization is ready for it or it's not set up for that yeah um, and that's also part of what i've been educating and, and evangelizing <laughs> so you mentioned there like the fortune 500 businesses that you've been fortunate enough to work with do you think it's a case that um businesses that already have an existing design function that might be a design for decoration kind of approach to thinking about design. Do you think it can evolve from that existing function or does it require some sort of radical rethinking and getting some sort of external consultation? What's your thoughts on the best approaches to, to get them from A to C almost? Yeah, how much time we have? Yeah, well, we we do we do have time, so that's that's one of the the luxury of that. Okay, so I know uh, how long is a piece of string as well, and I I know like every business is different, but but generally speaking, yeah, if you have an organization that really 
sort of um, encourages and respects, you know, that whole kind of advertising mindset, the marketing mindset, and then you're getting them closer to strategic and service thinking. Um, can it evolve from that world, do you believe? Yeah. So let me see if I can kind of break down the, the, yeah. the nuances of, of the question here. So I would say the first thing when you mentioned, is it, is there a way for organizations that have a setup design team to evolve to do strategic yeah. design work? Uh, I think for that to happen, it's really going to depend on what type of value you want to deliver. Uh, companies, for example, automotive, right? There is a value there that you can shape into a service very, very easily because you're not only getting a car, you're, you know, transporting yourself to that dream car, right? So there's yep. a lot of emotional, functional value <laughs> that you can deliver when designing for that service. <laughs> the interesting thing about healthcare, and I'll uh, speak to my, to my experience because I feel like it's a good comparison here from a very mechanical automotive, automotive to uh, healthcare. So in healthcare, the value, it's not something that it's perceived because you're seeking help. So yeah. to design for that, it has to be strategic in nature. I don't think there's a way for healthcare just to, and I'm not, not talking about the marketing department that does the campaigns and yeah. social media. I'm talking about the ways in which we're designing the actual experience of you going to an appointment or yeah. you're doing a telehealth visit. So all of that is very strategic because you're going through something very emotional um, and very heavy in terms of um, what you're trying to find, you may not have an answer to. Because yeah. sometimes in health, you, you cannot find a diagnosis. So there's all these constraints and complexities of the human you know, body that you're treating that in a service. And that for me is very exciting. And I don't see how strategic design is not embedded in, yeah. in that way. So they can be used interchangeably is what you're oh, saying. So yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're doing this type of work where <clears throat> value is being translated into something that it's very uh, complex, right? Emotionally yeah. complex, functionally complex. And you don't actually get one artifact out of it you actually get a set of things that makes you feel something or makes you experience yeah something there was an illustration that i saw that i believe you created and um, that i thought was really interesting with the, the personal bias at the center of it do you want to talk to us a little bit more around the origins of that visualization or that illustration where it came about and what the factors are that are included in it as well. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes, folks, so you can click in and, and have a look at it at the same time. Sure. Um, so that that visual was actually one of the first visuals I created for the strategic design and organizations course I teach yeah. <laughs> um, virtually at the SDM Service Design Network Academy. And that course actually came from a gap that I saw that designers that are transitioning to do the type of work we're talking about here don't necessarily take the time to put themselves in into a context, a, a personal context and, a, and, and the overall context of where they came from, 
in overall context where they sit in the organization. So yeah. there's a lot of, um, I would say, almost uh, reflection work that we don't get to do when you when you go from, you know, you just graduated and you start working. So you just go into this action plan of getting things done and you don't get the time to reflect. So that visual represents a lot of almost a, almost a, a pause moment in your what you're doing, where you are, where you're coming from to really understand where you're sitting and what type of design can you actually uh, be comfortable designing. And sorry for the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, if you're not aware of who you are in terms of what you can bring to the table, it's going to be really hard for you to identify where you're working and where you want to live and who, what type of professional you want to be because those two are very inter interconnected and interconnected. Yeah. So walk me through... Um... It's like I'm, I'm seeing a thread in my mind here at the moment from your own personal journey into where you're at now and you're talking about this stuff. Um, coming from advertising into healthcare, what are the practices that you've uh, implemented into your own life that helped you align closer towards those purposes? Because you don't land in healthcare, one of the most, I guess, dysfunctional, especially in the US. Um, what was that journey like? for you what i what i had to kind of create my own yeah. way to, <laughs> to help I mean, it's similar um, to what, what i went on like you know, over the last decade but i i'd love to hear any recommendations any books things that worked that didn't work yeah so there is definitely a thread and i'm not sure if it has to do with healthcare, but it definitely has to do growing um as a professional in this field yeah which is related to networking. I cannot stress enough how networking gets you to where you want to go. That's uh, networking, not not working. It just came across. I'm sorry, networking. Not working like, does does an awful no. lot for you as well, but networking is even better. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Networking. Yeah. Sorry for my information yeah. here. Um, Good. So for networking, is something that it's a practice and you actually have to take the time to do it. Yeah. And I don't think some professionals uh, understand how much they can gain from that mm. interaction. And I'm not, I'm not talking about going to conferences only or having, yeah. you know, conversations or just publishing something and people interact with it. I'm talking about really expanding your network beyond countries. <laughs> And have people you can talk to from anywhere. Yeah. Um, where people come from and from the course that I teach, it's a global audience. And the patterns of struggles and challenges, they are the same. And it's so interesting to see that the questions that come up are very similar. Yeah. Uh, what they're trying to do is very similar because we're all humans and we're all working for organizations. Of course, we're going to see patterns across the world. However, there's so much value in to see how people uh, approach and actually articulate how they solve for problems, which is different. There are yeah. nuances there that you pick up, and it's very helpful for you to uh, absorb that and create your own way, your own vision, your own point of view of just doing your work. And, and that yeah. really helps talk things through. Do you think, and this is a, a kind of an open-ended question, but 
typically in the Fortune 500 businesses, the outcome is growth, increased sales, increased metrics around that. When you bring people together from a diverse background, those outcomes can be different. Okay, so the outcomes in government could be ensuring the quality of the service, whatever it is. With those two variances in the outcomes, do the factors for success change? Do, do, do the ingredients change for strategic design and service design to evolve? Um, are those criteria similar? Or, or, yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on that a little bit more because it's something that, that I, it plays in my mind. It's not a, you know, a recipe book that everyone can just follow and it works depending on the organizational outcome and what they're trying to achieve, surely the factors um, kind of differ as well and the ingredients change. Right. And um, I worked in companies that you can consider them to be global companies, um, especially in telecommunications and uh, you could say consumer goods retail, uh, like beverage company. Coke. Was it? It's fine. (laughs) Been a while. I think they'll be okay by now. Um, So, in that scale of work, you're not only so the strategic design there. I think it becomes even more valuable because people are used to because everything is such a large scale and everybody's doing their piece of the work. They're not used to break out of that daily job. Healthcare, same thing. Yeah. I live in New York. You go to Queens. I think you hear six to seven languages in, as you walk 10 steps. Yeah. So it's something that you have to become almost a, a, an expert of awareness, right? To, to do sure. that. That definitely brings uh, that barrier. As far as a team, that, yeah. that builds with time. Right. Okay. So the strategic design in organizations course that you're running at the moment, um, obviously the whole kind of industry is evolving at the moment, especially in the US. I know there's a lot of people moving and I think there's still a, a large amount of people exiting organizations that they're just after the pandemic and so forth. How is strategic design evolving um, in the US? Like it's because the industry is changing all the time. Um, how are you seeing it? Because you started giving this course in 2020, mid-pandemic. Is that yep. or remember first year of the pandemic? I can't remember. It was, I don't even, yeah, it I don't even was, know who I am anymore. It was <laughs> April 2020, yes. April 2020. Um, I think it was March 2020 in Ireland, but I think the US were like, oh, we're not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely here. <laughs> oh, so, I meant the course. I started oh, the, the course. course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we've got d- differing dates when the pandemic started. But um. What does the, what does it look like for, from your perspective, and what are you watching for at the moment to include? Because I know you're going to be running that course again, and again, I have no affiliation with the SDN or the course or any of that kind of stuff, but it looks really interesting. What are you looking at now at the moment um, as factors that could be included in that course from a U.S. market evolution perspective? Yeah, pretty much. So, from the moment I started until now. The participants that interact with me in this course, they're, they, they look for different things. So yeah. in the beginning was more of a definition. What is service design? What do we do? Yeah. What are the principles? And now the evolution for professional, I'll talk the professional side first for actually mm. 
practitioners and then like the actual application of that, which is, yeah. they kind of live in different levels in my opinion. So from a professional standpoint, what I see the practitioners looking for now is to really um, connect uh, their practice to sustainability, systems thinking. So they're really trying to expand the maturity of what design, strategic design or service design can do in a much larger scale so that it can have a larger impact. Mm. And I think the going out to the market perspective, the market, especially government, uh, like digital services here uh, in the U.S., they have uh, the U.S. digital services. They have an amazing service design team that is helping reshape specific uh, interaction, digital interactions for yeah. the entire country. So I see a lot of that strategic work really moving to this, uh, I would say, uh, community, national impact type of thinking to do something that means something. Um, because, you know, you're trying to, as a designer, you want to, you know, I'll bring that, that uh, you know, child dream back here again. You want to change the world. You want to help yeah. people think differently, live differently, experience things differently. So sure. I think moving to that social impact aspect is something that I've seen evolved. And it's something that I also feel like the pandemic in a way accelerated that because people started thinking about justice and, yeah. you know, all, all the social determinant of yeah. dynamics that you see in a society. And I think that woke up people to a different type of mindset. Yeah. Can I talk to you a little bit more around that visualization? Because you sure. know, the more I look at it, the more I like it. And I'm not going to look at it anymore because I don't want to fall in love um, but like, well, it's a joke, bad joke. Anyway, so in the middle of it, you got the personal biases, but in the top part of the, the circle, you've got resources, structure, culture, and time. Walk me through, um, how, how would you explain this? You put it on the wall. How should it be used? Right. So this is actually, again, almost like a reflection exercise that I yeah. asked to, to think through this. Uh, but the, the reason why there are two uh, layers, the one on the top, it's very almost top down, right? Time, yep. culture, structure, resources. And then you take almost like a deep dive into your own uh, universe, which is community, decision makers, policies, and environment. Yeah. So the idea here is there, you are inserted, it's pretty much to read like this. You are inserted in a specific time of your life, right? Working up being part of this culture, working a specific social, economical infrastructure, and you have specific resources available to you because you're part of this culture and this infrastructure that you have above you. This organization, uh, this ecosystem. It could be the organization. Yes, yep. correct. Yeah. And it, what happens also is when you start to compare how service designers do this type of work across the world, they're going to have different infrastructures and different resources on top of the culture of that country. So really breaking down those levels, you start to realize that some, um, some design communities might actually have to push for more innovative ways to do work because they may not have enough infrastructure resources to do the work. <laughs> it's, yeah. simple. it's simple as that in a way. 
And then when you get to uh, the different layers underneath of community decision makers, policy and environment, you really start to think about, okay, now that I'm inserted in this mega, you know, universe, I still have the community, my neighbors, the people that work with me every day, my coworkers, right? We are bound within people that make decisions for us. We don't make decisions about financial, uh, yeah. you know, takes on the company, but that's going to happen regardless, right? We don't make decisions about policies that are being made about things that are happening in sure. terms of uh, time off. I'm just giving yeah. like silly examples, but that's just to illustrate. And we're not, we are not part of making, uh, we're not part of uh, making decisions about the environment that we're going to be working on. Uh, mm -hmm. We may have, we may be asked for recommendations, but there are people that are not us. They're making all these decisions to set up the environment, yeah. and the ecosystem for you to work in. Yeah. And you then come in with your own <laughs> bias, your own experience to try to find uh, interesting ways to, to, to adapt, right? Yeah. And to actually immerse in this entire layered universe. So is it a, an evaluative framework then that you can basically have participants or have stakeholders place where they see the problems? What, what's, how, how are you, what's the application? Of like that. I think mm. that's a great idea. I right. have for free. <laughs> This was mostly created for design practitioners to take yeah. time and really analyze, okay, we cannot, we, for us to assume that we are controlling the design of things, it's not fair yeah. because there are so many layers around us that are dictating from a top down, bottom up hmm. ways in which we're going to do the work. Yeah. So that, that, yeah. that's the interesting mix there. I remember, um, and this is not me kind of like trying to weave into a situation of power here, but I remember I had a similar years ago called Horizon to Action. I, I love your, your one is much better than the one I had. It was an early draft to try and articulate the certain aspects of a service, like in time yeah. and interactions and, and so forth. But this one here looks very close to a stakeholder map. Okay. And this is the reason why I was asking gotcha. um, was how you're using it, how you how it's being applied within an organization. It makes sense that it's from the practitioner's perspective, but I love having, I think there's a risk there by having it just from the practitioner's perspective, but I love having the externals, the executives feed into it and being able to problem identify, you know, what, what are the, the intersecting points of a problem where they believe it could be. And that, that's, that's how I initially saw it. I was like, oh, this is wow. nice because it's like, like a cake piece it might be like thicker on the de decision makers it might be thicker on policy it might be thinner in environment so you can actually do a pl plot a graph on it that's that's how i initially saw it and i was like oh this is this is kind of what i'm talking about because for the last year or two i guess during the pandemic i was really into complexity theory i still am and um that whole understanding of systems thinking as regards how we approach problem solving or, or our craft of service design within organizations and too often i believe we treat these complex situations with complicated approaches and um what i like about what you're doing here is you're talking and you're you're kind of 
you're opening the box for those conversations to happen. That's the way I see it and I'm hearing it as well. So, so kudos to you. Am I on the right page and as regards that was your intent with the, the illustration or am I completely talking, you know? Oh my gosh, no. I What I love about, you know, just again, going back to networking and just talking through some ideas and application of things that we see gaps on is to have the ability to evolve what yeah. you have intentionally designed. Yeah. Uh, I could definitely see a very interesting exercise with, for example, uh, CTO <laughs> putting for themselves. Sure. <laughs> I mean, as a precursor to a workshop, right? Having, having this, you know, plotted on a um, kind of like a target, if you know what I mean, <laughs> where you see the problems and then play it back. On, on where everyone saw the problems within a workshop environment, I guarantee you'd see the problem identification space being yeah. like, oh, well, we think it's this, we think it's that. And it becomes a really powerful alignment tool. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how it would, um, there is actually a, a, a click down the, the slide for the beyond, class. Which this I one, don't get access to. <laughs> is actually uh, many of these circles popping oh. up. Because you go. in the you do the course to see that, folks. I only get the free preview. Like, okay. Um, That's so cool. You, yeah, you do. Like, the idea is, okay, now that you've realized and identified what is your micro universe and what's going on in there, the, yeah. the entire organization is doing the same because yeah. organizations are made by people and for people. Yeah, that's so true. That layer of human complexity I think for designers, that's a gap I see. We don't mm. take the time to try to understand because we're so into let's let's get to work. Let's do yeah. that work. I've got the spade in my hand. Let's start digging. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm not talking about like slowing down the project or like backtracking the project. I'm just talking about taking a few moments to realize and go through this almost checklist in your head. Yeah. Are we thinking about this? in different layers? Are yeah. we considering the state, all, all the different types of stakeholders and dynamics for this project or this experience? Sure. But it starts with you, right? So that's why it's very like the personal bias, is, it's in the center because it starts. Yeah, starts with you. Um, so just going back to one of the questions I asked probably, you know, earlier, is your own journey through that? Uh, to self-identification and you talked about networking be really important totally agree um networking is one of the most powerful things you can do for your career and also just getting diverse perspectives and speaking to people from different parts of the business what other things have worked for you to kind of go you know i am carol massa i am um you know who i am and i know that i'm going to do a good job for Northwell, um, where you're currently at now at the moment. What does that look like in terms of a practice? Do you do, you do daily practices? Do you do monthly practices? Do you do yearly practices? This is the stuff that I'm really interested in. For me personally, don't worry about the listeners. It's just <laughs> me and you. So what does that look like? What are you, what are you doing? So I'll tell you my secret. That's Come my on, secret. hit me. <laughs> So I actually borrow a lot of things from rocket science. Oh. I, <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, I, I set myself 
a couple of minutes a day just to look uh, into NASA. Nice. <laughs> and to really look at anything related to rocket science and science and how people are coming together. Yeah. People on the moon and in Mars. And for me, it's something that that passion has grown almost like a, a layer underneath yeah. of this because there's so much <laughs> from science that we can learn and especially that type of complicated and complex problem solving. Mm. Try to see how much of it can actually be translated into a human dynamic. Yeah. Because in organizations, it's human dynamic. We're not taking a technical thing anywhere, right? We're so, just trying to evolve something that people interact with that it's it's different. I, I understand yeah. the difference. But for me, I get so much inspiration from from that type of uh, approach and yeah, material. And material and um um I, I, Yeah, it's funny on that um I'm hopefully speaking to Dave Snowden in a couple of weeks from you know, one of the complexity yes. theory, one of, one of the pioneers. Yep. And whenever you read some Dave Snowden stuff, he talks about, I always, I was reared, like, you know, looking at NASA, like, you know, they're most incredible, you know, the things that they've done. And we just naturally assume that they'd be complex. But in, if you look at Dave Snowden's descriptions of things, that's a complicated um, approach. Oh, yeah. Because it's able to be broken down and understood and, right. you know, it's reciprocal. So you can actually do the same thing and get the same output, output. Whereas it's been complex where in organizations and human beings, they are complex. Um, and one of my friends, Melissa Nova, has a really nice uh, uh, sort of story on that where she said her boy, because um, human beings are completely like they're complex beings. Unpredictable. <laughs> unpredictable <laughs> seven o'clock in the kitchen um you know one morning they could want cocoa pops seven o'clock the next morning they could want a, a hamburger and fries it's <laughs> it's two 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 unknowns right and that's the nature of what we're trying to do what are your thoughts and this is probably going to be one of my last questions so then you can breathe a big sigh of relief <laughs> um what are your thoughts around the limitations of service design and strategic design and are we at that point where we really need to rethink and include other disciplines for where we're at? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think uh, I think my opinion is service design and practitioners are at a point that they think they could do the job by themselves. Yeah. Because they are equipped with the tools so they can do anything. They yeah. can use a blueprint to change the entire process. Yeah. The problem is that's not how organizations work. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be one blueprint, one session, one interview that it's going to change things. And that's why yeah. that, that's why that understanding of how things work from any microcosm <laughs> level. Yeah. is very important because you as a service designer and as a, the practice itself needs to evolve to be uh, almost the expert of multidisciplinary yeah. uh, um, you know, dot, dot, dot. It can be anything because if it's 
multidisciplinary, you're borrowing the expertise of the company, of the organization, yeah. and you're, you're, you're helping people to think differently together. Yeah, totally. Instead of having, no, design is going to solve perfect. Nope. No, 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 no. Well, and that's where I think, that's where I think the, the main challenge is today. Yeah. So it's one of the challenges we have as well with community-based activities where we, we look at case studies and people do talks and they're like, that's great. We're going to bring exactly the same thing and drop it into our organization and expect mm -hmm. to get the same result. It's not, it's just an experiment. It's just everything that we're doing are professional experimenters really at the end of the day, like you know, see what works and measure it and let's move ahead. Multi-experiment is how I, how I like to phrase it. Yeah. There are some authors that use multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to be, you know, the judge of that. Uh, but I do believe that this expansion of practice uh, still hasn't happened. Yeah. I think it's pretty much We're on that point. egocentric <laughs> at this point. There's, a, there's a, a, an, a, an emerging ego from within large parts of the design community globally. And consultancies generally have that ego and that relationship to sell in that belief system into clients who don't know any better. And it's, it's one of the pieces it needs to come with a sense of humility. Um, and you know, there's, there's some people out there talking about it, but I believe it's, you know, something that we can all probably reflect on an awful lot more and start encouraging and nudging those conversations within the organization that maybe we're not going to save the day. Maybe we're going to be, um, just like anyone else trying to improve the system. Yeah. I there I mean, I don't wanna end on a note that I believe in this But I do believe that design brings a different perspective yes. to the table that people are not used to think about it because they're very focused on their daily work. Yeah. So we have that power to be that catalyst or a facilitator or a guide, right? Yeah, that is true. The facilitator of the conversations, um, and it's it's one of and the universe super soon. And if you bring the rocket science together, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Carol, um, I know you're big on LinkedIn. You love it. You're like me, a LinkedIner. Um, what are the other places where people can reach out and connect with you and learn more about the work that you're doing at Northwell and generally about the courses that you're running? Yeah. So. Uh, I would say first, first and foremost, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> but then I'm also a service design, uh, practitioner. So you can find me as a, uh, SDN accredited service designer at the yeah. SDN.org, yeah. um, uh, community. Um, I'm always available for virtual copies. Uh, I'll put yeah. that in the air and see <laughs> who would like to reach out for virtual copies. Yeah. That's something that I get, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, value and enjoyment. Yeah. Um, what's, and the, I, what's the New York service design scene like, you know, because I know yeah. you worked with Patrick in um, Harmonic. Right. Um, and, you know, Atlanta looks like there's, there's some cool stuff happening down there. But the New York scene and the service design network scene, I know Antonio um, was there as well. What's it like at the moment in terms of the maturity of the organizations looking for service designers? I I will have to get back to you on that because I just got here a month ago. Oh, okay, um, right. So you're relatively new to New York. 
Well, look, I am I am new to New York. Uh, however, I do know uh, Natalie, who is the founder of the chapter yeah. of uh, New York chapter. I'm actually having dinner with her. Um, mm-hmm. Just said that, so you know, everybody. There you go. Cut that out. So, so if anyone in New York is in the design scene wants to, you know, make Carol feel welcome, <laughs> check yeah. them out on LinkedIn and add them, and you know make coffee plans even if it's online whatever it is like you know they're they're new to the city so um someday i'd like to get i've never been to new york it's one of those places oh. that um i'd love to get to someday but yes we'll be happy world. to have you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah get the little airplanes out and get jerry over there like you know well look it was absolutely fantastic i like to end all the episodes with thanking the guests for their energy their vulnerability their openness putting themselves on the spot it takes you know um you know time out of your day to do these things so i really appreciate you coming on and talking about the work that you're doing i know the listeners are going to find it really really interesting so thank you so much carol thank you gary thank you for everything this has been awesome and i'm really excited to see you know what else is there and how practitioners and the work of service design will keep evolving because that's what we do awesome